This is Bob Rock with Business Leaders Podcast. And today we're incredibly fortunate. We have Brad Paz. He's the founder and CEO of Zoptic, which builds innovative sport technologies that autonomously captures metrics and videos the athletes while they're in the field. So, Brad, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. I'm uh, most happy to be uh, invited here and look, look forward to our conversation. Yes, sir. Well, tell us about your company and what it does. As it mentions in the intro, we build technology that basically captures a carbon copy of the athlete's performance in a dynamic environment, indoor and outdoor, and then delivers actionable insight to the performance coaches or coaching staff. And ultimately, what we want to do is optimize training for the youth and amateur sport athlete. You know, I, I think about what little I was involved in coaching. I, I was small, slow, and unathletic as a kid. And so I would be the wrong guy to teach any ball sports. But I can remember working with my daughter in swimming. And, you know, what you're trying to do is help them be better and you have no metric to come from. So let's say that I was out on the soccer field with my kids and I wanted to help them. How does this technology, how do you field it and what does it do? So basically the athlete wears a small tag. It's about 80 grams. And it's actually collecting all of the metrics, non-vital metrics on the athlete. So your traditional speed, distance, things of that nature, but also looking at number of accelerations, number of decelerations, just really the sports science that is really not reached the youth and amateur market yet. This type of technology is used in professional sports. You know, I'm sure someone like LeBron James has all of the statistics that anyone could imagine, but... Really, we're trying to bring it down to the youth and amateur levels to be able to help those athletes improve their performance. But I think safely doing it in an, in an optimal way, and that really needs to come from a performance coach. So we're not like maybe a, a, a watch or a band that'll tell you what kind of day you're having. We really want to deliver that insight, that objective data to the performance coach because he or she really knows and understands how to use that data to help the athlete get better. Is this like a solo application or if you had an entire team, would it capture all? It's a great question. Yes. And it is a team product. So that's that's really what we're focused on is making sure that all of the athletes on the field have a uh, one of our wearable tags on. And I think when we look at that, there's a couple different applications that we run into in the market. And I think from a coaching perspective, there's three things that they look at or three things that they would review. There's a tactical analysis, the X and O's. There's your statistical analysis, so assists, pass, things of that nature. And then there's the third one, which would be analytics, more around the body. What's the body doing? How much exertion is the body having? Zoptic focuses on the analytics and the tactical side. We don't really look at the statistical side. Right now, there's quite a few software applications that will allow you to do that. What strikes me about this is going like, how did you get down this path to develop this technology? Well, it started with my kids. So I have three kids, 10, 11, and 26. So my oldest one was playing basketball for a high school in Denver. And I was the dad trying to film the games. I learned very quickly that I was not very good at videography. It gives you an odd view of a ball game. It it's does. And I think the other part that was more of a, an emotional tie is I wasn't really present for a game. That was frustrating to me. 
So we started the business in 2015, and we actually started out as a consumer product. You're going to be a parent, athlete has a tag, you dock your mobile phone, you press play, and you sit back, and the phone's going to follow your athlete. So we did that for about 18 months. There was a significant amount of feedback just on the margins are so slim on a consumer product, and then the manufacturing demand is so difficult to really monetize it. So in 2018, we had the fortune of meeting with the D1 University and talking with their coaches and athletic directors, and we really found that there was a need for this application, not only at the collegiate level, but all the way to the competitive and elite high school levels. You know, I, I think about for you know the field of vision from a coach, if you've got multiple players on the field, I think it would be challenging to try to take and offer appropriate feedback. You know, either you've got a really top performer that could just get tweaked a little and you've got the junior performer that has potential but needs more help. So for let's say that you've got a soccer team on the field, can you then with the product, it's attached to every player, can you then later segregate each player based on their... Yes, you can. So you can look at an individual person. Let's say one of the examples we run into is a return to play. Someone's injured, whether it's a knee, you know, something of that nature. A couple of the coaches we talked about, they would want to know how many decelerations that athlete is having to try and get them back to where they were in a safe environment, right? Because it's hard to know because these kids want to play, right? What kind of stress is happening to the knee on the recovery? There's just a lot of different applications that we can take this, not only from the individual level, but from the team perspective as well. So for your transition, so you've, you've gone from the dad with the round mark around your eye from the, from the lens of the video camera, which I can relate to. And, you know, the experience of watching a game through video cameras is not the same as being there and being able to capture it all. And so you've got this idea to start developing the technology and it morphed to what you have now. Then you guys have this in the field, correct? Yes, we have a working prototype. And right now we have one agreement to uh, we want to go through a product market fit because we want to get in the hands of the elite and high performance coaches that we've been talking to. And we're negotiating two other agreements. For those folks, when you're talking to them, there's obviously a pain point that they have or they wouldn't have agreed. What do you think the overarching pain point is from those coaches when they're looking for the solution from your product? Well, these coaches that we talk to, they really care about the athletes. They just want to do what's best for the athlete. If you look in the olden days, you know, you would push someone not to drink water, right? I mean, it'd be like you were a wimp if you went to get a drink of water, at least when I was in high school. <laughs> and it's amazing that a lot of these coaches philosophically have the same approach, but they have slight nuances as far as what's important to them. So as I mentioned, one coach may say, how many starts and stops is my athlete having? How many decelerations are my kids having? And I think they understand that there is a sports science opportunity to help their athletes. But right now, it's just not affordable in that space. So it's something where they would they would embrace it. They would embrace the technology, but you definitely don't want to present yourself that you're going to teach them something new, right? That will come because over time as we're collecting data and taking it into our machine learning to make 
understanding of any trends or patterns or things, those are the things that still haven't been uncovered at this level. I acknowledge it's probably been looked at at the pros, but that tells you something, right? You know, I think about, though, at the pro level of information, you know, those athletes have been coached for 12, 15 years at the highest level, perhaps, you know, and you look at the recreational athlete or high school athlete or middle school athlete, and you know, maybe they could aspire to be there. But if you get injured along the way, you know, we were talking about this, I think, on the phone, and you were talking about deceleration and knee injuries. And wouldn't it be interesting to know that if you had N number of decelerations in a period of time, that the likelihood of a knee injury was increased by some percentage that's unacceptable. And the coach goes, you know what, we're going to take and pull that kid out. And there's a end time frame of rest or rehab before you put him on the field again. You know, and you go, if you knew that kind of data, and, and I would imagine in your data sets as you capture, the trends will start to exhibit. Yes. What are you hearing from the coach with it in the field? What are they thinking? And what, are there any ahas that they're getting? They're very excited about the product. I think when you look at the pro level, to increase their level by 1% is a huge, because they're the best in the world, right? So it's very difficult for a performance coach to really take them up to the next level, not to say it can't be done. So a lot of that is more of safety management, right? We're looking at this stuff. Let's just keep them on the court and on the field, because that's where the money comes from. But when you go down to the high school and collegiate level, the opportunity to truly advance the human performance, I think is what's real exciting because you take your second string guard, right? And now this performance coach is now able to work with this athlete. I think the incremental advances that they can incorporate into that athlete is what's exciting because they don't need to move them 1%, right? They could move them 20%. So that opportunity does exist, but it will take some time. For any of the high schools or any of the collegiate teams that are going in the recruiting world or they're trying to take and attract an athlete, it would be interesting to be able to say not only are we really good at playing the sport, we're extremely good at developing our players and saying, here's the techniques. So, you know, I'm trying to visualize what this looks like. So there's the tag that fits on the athlete. What about the device that collects this information? Is that in proximity of the field? It is. It is. So we actually have two versions of our product. One would be a hardwire. So you basically put it into the infrastructure. And the other one is a temporary mobile unit that's wireless. And that's actually what our prototype is now. So we're able to, instead of having somebody have to fly in to see our, our system, we can actually take it to them. And we've been fortunate enough to take it quite a few places in the Denver metro area just to be able to let them get their hands on it and understand it because the core is there. Now we want to refine our app so that it's user-friendly. So you started this company and you've had an interesting journey. You know, we were talking about potential advice that you might have for somebody else that's considering, you know, it's an annoyed dad that's going to come out with a product that thinks that will help his children. What advice might you have? Well, I'm a solo non-technical founder. <laughs> I would probably recommend getting somebody to go in with, with you. Get another co-founder. There's pros and cons. Now you got another person to make sure can approve things. But it's nice because you also have another person when there's a capital call, right? So there's two sides to it. I think that's important. 
And then establishing or building a network. That's been huge for me. Just the introductions that are made, whether it be part of our team or a prospective client. I'm just very fortunate that the network that I have has been really good to me because I couldn't do this alone. And you've been doing this now since, what, 15? So we now have the 2020 version of Brad. And so if the 2020 version of Brad could go back and talk to the 2015 just starting out version of Brad, what's the best piece of advice the experience Brad would offer? There's a couple of things, but I really want to think about one. And so for you in your day-to-day when you're working within the company, what does your day look like or what does your week look like? As Because you, you're right now trusting in the field, getting acceptance, and then you'll go to fundraise at some point. So what does your journey look like right now? Every day is a bit different. You know, I do my best to make sure that I have appointments scheduled out on a regular basis. You know, that I'm always talking and engaged with the market, understanding the competition, you know, that's out there, what's new. Because I think it, it's important that we not only build a product that is good today, but you have to leave room for what the future is bringing because technology moves so fast. So I spend a lot of time kind of looking at, is there someone out there that we could partner with? You know, is there a good fit? I would say that it's just that every day it's a little different. So let's say I'm a coach and I'm going like, that really sounds intriguing to me. What type of dialogue would I need to have as a coach with you to be able to field test your product? Well, depending on if you're talking to a college or a high school, there's typically layers. So it really depends what who the audience is, because sometimes that performance coach will need to go to the athletic director or maybe they have a sports science department. A lot of times we try from more of the bottom up approach because we've had conversations with athletic directors where, yeah, it's great. I want this. This is going to help us which what all these organizations are looking for is a competitive advantage to recruit and develop, right? Those are the two things that everybody wants at at almost all levels. But if we start at the athletic director and he or she comes in and loves it and you don't get the buy-in of the people who are using it. So we've really focused on trying to go the bottom up. Here's what it is. You know, we have a pilot program, the very affordable pilot program for people to help us in our product market fit of the program. So it's a little different with each coach and it takes time because they're very protective of their craft, which I respect, but they're also very protective of their kids. So we make sure that they understand, look, we're going to be filming. We're going to be tracking these metrics. We're keeping this all in house, right? Until we established a firm agreement, then we'll work through what happens. And you've mentioned, I think more than once product market fit. What images or thoughts go through your mind when you talk about product market fit? Well, ultimately, our system, we want to make it a very pure experience. And what I mean by that is coaches don't have a lot of time to set up a bunch of stuff and they just don't have time, right? So we want to understand what's the easiest way for us to incorporate this into your world now, right? Without you having to do a ton of different things. It also lends to the players as well, right? The players, most of them will probably find are accustomed to putting a little tag in a in a vest or a belt, but we have to keep it a, a pure experience because at any point in time, if you I don't know if you've seen Bill Belichick where he throws that iPad down on TV, 
that's what we're trying to stay away from. But beyond that, so if you look at the setup, the actual deployment of the system, but on the back end, what is that user experience, right? Because the coaches aren't going to be carrying around a laptop, right? They might have their cell phone, but what opportunities, which we have some, could an iWatch be easy to just tap and bookmark that specific performance moment? So that's pretty much what the product meant fit. You know, so you've got the coach's perspective. When you talk to the players that have gone through this, what are you hearing from the players? The players are excited to be able to, to get this kind of information. I think it creates a layer of transparency for them to kind of see where they are, to have that data, to be able to understand how can I get better. Or maybe it's a situation where a dad believes his son or daughter should be playing more. The coach can pull out the workload. Here's the workload that your son or daughter is giving me during practice. I can't really start them. and I need some more. So I think it's it's exciting where this can go. You know, it sounds like gap analysis to me. I think about, let's say we're, we roll the clock forward a number of years, and the body of data that's in hand and the second order thinking from the machine learning and you go, this is an optimal workload. This is, you know, for this particular skill position, this is what we see. These are the speed requirements. And it would be interesting to know just raw speed versus start-stop speed, you know, and how, you know, first three steps, are you really good on the first three steps or not? And you're really good elsewhere, but you suck on the first three steps. And you go, okay, we need to take and have you trained on how to take and get off the line. Yep. And there's people that know how to use that. I don't claim to know how to use that, but I want to give that information to the coaches. Well, I think for the athlete, you know, I'm working my butt off and I'm still not getting better. And you look at that kind of kid and you go, I love the spirit, you know, and you're trying to figure out how do I take in, help them be as good as they can be. That type of insight, I think, would be extremely rewarding. Is there a sport that it really doesn't fit? You know, right now we're tackling a soccer field and it's just due to the, the large one. We can get there. But really, it's the main core team sports. So you've got your football, your soccer, basketball. Your soccer and basketball really have the highest numbers just because both girls and boys can play it. But we've tested in a hockey rink. I like that. And then we, we also look at some lacrosse fields, although the size. Because it's very important that we deliver accurate information. And the larger the field, the more infrastructure we would have to incorporate. But we'll get there. You know, I think about that development. And so for you, the journey is not without its potholes. So what do you do to keep focused and keep upbeat and go into the fray every day? I really try to fill up my calendar with productive things, you know, because things aren't always going to go the way you planned, you know, and you just have to learn how to get back up every time you get knocked down. <laughs> and I'm getting good at that. But it's also having hope and understanding that at the end of the day, what your mission is, and that's just to help athletes. And, and I, I'm not a performance coach, so I can't help them that way. But I, I really want to help families, I guess, is probably a better one because I know the emotions of a parent when my son or daughter loses and when they win, right? So for me, it's really about my family when I get really down and out and just making sure that this goes the shareholders who have given me capital and allowed me to really do this. I mean, that that's a big driver for me, probably those two things. So for you, as this entrepreneur staying positive, what is your 
daily schedule? Like when do you get up and when do you call it good? I get up around 4.30, 4.45 in the morning because I'm able to go to the gym because nobody needs me between 5 and 6 a.m. And then get home, help my wife with the kids, get out the door, things of that nature. I have a couple different offices that I work out of Denver, so it's kind of nice because I can get ahead of the traffic as well um, and either be north or south. Typically, I'll review LinkedIn, maybe look at, I've got the Google alerts, see what else is going on in the market, just to try to get the, the juices flowing. And then I, I just start looking for appointments, right, that whether it be a, a school, a performance coach, an investor. So I spend some time on that. And then I, I've been starting to do more writing on LinkedIn because I think that that's helpful just to try to build the story around what we're trying to do and who we're trying to do it for. Usually after lunch, I try to have my appointments in the morning, but in the afternoon, two or three appointments, maybe pick up the phone. It's just really staying active um, and not just active to be active, but things that are going to produce value, which you don't always get that, right? You know, faith in activity and getting to the gym, you know, you don't see overnight success there. It just takes a while of consistent effort. So for over the past few years, you know, you had a certain belief or protocol that you might have had in the company when you started. And now you look at beliefs and protocols that you put in place to guide your company. What might be one of those beliefs or protocols that you put in place that says, man, I'm so glad I did that. It really helped me move the puck forward. What is it that you might have put in place that helps? Well, last year, I actually brought in a head of engineering. To me, that's helped because it's helped offload a lot of the technical work because the, the engineer speak way better at it than I was two years ago. Bringing in some personnel to help me has been really helpful to me. There's a number of things that just take time that you're not going to read in a book, right? That you're just going to have to sometimes learn the hard way. That's something that kind of going back to our previous question is just be prepared to do that. There's some people that can, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, I mean, they're, they're very good at what they do. And I think they do a broad number of things. But most people, it takes a lot of time, you know, because you can have the greatest idea ever. But at the end of the day, you have to figure out how do you monetize it? How do you build a business? There's a lot of people that don't understand that these are great. Because we get a lot of feedback like, hey, this is a great idea. And I definitely, I'm always open, you know, this is a great idea. But then I have to go back and figure out how does it make business sense? And I think that's something that I've started to learn over the last few years. For a lot of us, you're a book consumer. I am too. You know, and as far as books about business, has it been a book or two that you've read recently that really changed how you thought about your business or how you approach certain tasks in your business? One of my favorites is uh, Pitch Anything by Arne Claff. I had a fortune of going to one of his pitch academies in 2016. I think there was a lot that I drew out of that that I still I use today. You know, his personality is a little different than mine. You know, I'm a little more reserved. He's great at what he does. But I just have to figure out how to take those pieces and incorporate it into who I am. That would be one book. He's got a new one out called Flip the Script. That's another book that I enjoy. So I try to read as many books as I can and incorporate what fits my personality because I'm not, I am who I am. As you know, we think about the pursuit of investors and trying to take and help advance the effort, when you have an, you know, an individual that decides to become an investor in your company, 
What do you think the key tipping point is for that person to decide to place funds with your company? It's usually time. You know, in my experience with the investors that have come to us, it takes time for them to get to know you, to trust you, and to like you. And I think it really comes down to time. You know, I believe we have a great story, right? We have the economics behind it, but the investors are, you know, they're savvy. They they understand, right, that this is a risk. Do you think they see have the same or they can see your vision? I do. I do. And, and most of them, probably all of them, have kids. And they've, they've had that emotion that I have, right? Same frustrations. They're not all frustrations, you know. My kids win some games, but you know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I think this will sound rather trite, you know, and for the kids, you know, and, and did they win or not, I said, did you do the absolute best you could do? And if you did the best you could do and you still didn't win, you still you said, that's fine. Maybe it's your personal best and you still didn't win, but you can take and build off your personal best. You know, and I think, you know, for me, I was my passion was always, can I take and provide an insight or frame a mental mindset that will allow them to take in and look at their efforts. You know, if you don't train, you're not going to get the results. Perfect practice makes better outcome than just practice, you know, those kind of things. And, and yeah, I think the frustrations of the parent trying to help their children. Well, youth sports has changed so much. I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, 80s, early 90s. We would go to the park, right? And that's where we would get better. It's not like that today. I mean, you have to sign up for a, a club or a league and you spend a significant amount of time and money and camps. So if we can make that efficient, since that's our world now, I'm all for it. You know, if you, if you were to win people talk to you and, and you're, you're the CEO of your company and so on, what do you think the biggest misconception that people have about what that means or what you do? Maybe that I have all the answers. That might be it. I'll be the first to admit that there's things that I don't know, especially like on the sports science side. You know, we're going to be hiring a sports scientist to really lead and head that up. I would say that the assumption that a CEO kind of knows everything. It's rather to say, no, I don't know that. <laughs> you know, pretty, pretty easy to say, no, I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah. So give me a minute. You know, as, as you look into the next couple of years, what do you see the progression toward widespread acceptance of your company's product? Well, I think in general, we're starting to see more of the sports technology get into the youth and amateur space. Our differentiators are kind of going back to those three components. You know, it has to be accurate, right? You don't want junk data. What are you going to do with junk data, right? So it has to be an accurate has to be user-friendly to the coach, to the athlete, and then it has to deliver that actionable insight. The adoption of it, for us, what, what we're doing here in Colorado is identifying those organizations that we're close to so that if there's a problem with our pilots that we can get to it. You know, we have some interest in other states, you know, and we're, we're not opposed to that. It's just making sure that we can, in this product market fit, deliver that high quality of service. I think it'll it'll take a little bit of time to fully hit the ground running. One thing that we're seeing a lot here in Colorado, and it's already hit the coast, is the AI-enabled cameras. Mm -hmm. So they'll put them up in the gym, and it'll try and follow. That's a different type of sports technology, more of on the entertainment side. But I, I think figuring out 
you know, some real stories of success is, is going to be important for us, right, to expand our presence. How long has your prototype been in the field? So it hasn't been real long, I'd say about six months. Okay. And so, you know, the things that you look for, you know, and what you're talking about is success stories, you know, and you could have, is it the team successful or some of the players successful and hopefully it'd be both. Are you hearing feedback that shows where the guy's saying, I got an insight that I didn't have before? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Still working data. Still working data. And really in the pilot, that's where we're going to figure that out because we'll do a full season. So we'll have a full season of data. We can probably figure out something within a month, right? But we don't need a full five years of data. Well, even on scrimmage, you'd have game-like data. So the data is captured in the field and it's uploaded to a device, right? And then the coach or the players go back to wherever they go back to. And then when they go to review the data or the imagery, Walk me through what that looks like. So there's actually two applications. One would be like a dot map showing of where the athlete and then you have the video right by side by side of it. So you're able to fast forward and play certain moments. But it's really important that we not just collect the data, but we collect the video and overlay the data, right? Because now that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. That's where the teachable moment was. You know, if I had a button while I was watching my daughter play and I could just tap it, I wouldn't have to go back and watch her two-hour game. I could say, here's the things that we need to talk about. So that's the overall vision, right, to be able to give that data. And a lot of it would be stored for historical use because you're able to see on the application what each athlete's metrics look like. So you'd click on that and it would show little Johnny's running 10 miles an hour. You know, you click down the next one running 15 miles an hour, whatever the number is. Will it show cumulative data for the day? Fred or Susie ran 4.2 miles today or whatever. See, I think that would be really interesting on the conditioning standpoint as well. I mean, again, I think we're just scratching the surface. When I was in high school, you know, coach would say, everybody go run three miles, right? Regardless of the temp. Yeah, and regardless of what position. I mean, those days are changing. And I think getting this information into the right performance coaches is really where you'll see the success. You know, I I think about field positioning, right? And so if you have intelligence on another team and you go, that person really needs to be five feet to the left instead of where they are because they don't speed requirement or whatever tendencies. I'm kind of a data guy. And so I get all geeked out on the on the edge. You know, how can you develop the edge and so on? And, and train to purpose is a really a good idea. Well, I have quizzed you for a long time, you know, and so I think for the coaches out there, if they have an interest, how do they find you on social media? LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active. So it's uh, just Brad Paz, LinkedIn. You can search me there. P-A-Z. P-A-Z. Yep. And Zoptic is Z-O-P-T-I-C? Yes, Get Zoptic. Get Zoptic. And for the listeners out there that have children in sports, I would encourage you to take in and follow this development. Visit the website. And if you're interested in it, reach out to Brad and see maybe how you can help your kids become all the athlete that you know they can be. I appreciate you coming down for the episode. And Much luck and success in your future, I hope, with your efforts. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. You betcha, Brad. Thanks so much.